So I want to look at the first pasuk in our parsha, which is page 106. And the lives of Sarah. How does he translate it? Lifetime. <laughs> Lifetime. But the literal translation is Chaye Sarah. Well, it's in the construction. So Chai is life. Chaye. Multiple lives. It's got a dogish in it, right? Chaye Sarah, the lives of Sarah. And now he's going to tell you it's Mea Shona the Esrim Shona. It's 120 years. Then he says, Vesheva Shonim, page 106, and 20 years and 7 years. And then he goes back and says, Shnei, that's in the construct, because it's Shonim, Shnei, then again that word, Chaye Sora. Now, if you break break up the verse, you've got three partitions to the verse, page 106. You've got Vayiyu Chaye Sora, and at the end of the verse is Shnei Chaye Sora. And then in the middle, you've got the count. But the count isn't 127. What's the count? 100 years. 100 years. 20 years. 20 years. And seven years. Doesn't make sense. I don't tell you I am 50 years plus 10 plus 8. Something must have happened at these various counts. Ah, look at Rashi. So Rashi says that the Chaye Sora actually wasn't one life. It was three lives. Sarah had three lives. A cat has nine lives. My mother, matriarch, had three lives. The three lives that Sarah had were the life that she had, which is 127 years, but it was split into three partitions. The first partition was a hundred years. Then it says the next partition was 20 years. And then the next partition is seven years. So we've got a hundred years, 20 years, and seven years. Page 106. If I want to understand why the, the pshat, the literal reading of the verse in the Bible, has such an unusual way, by the way, Reb Shimshon Rafal Hirsch from Germany said, this is the only place in the Bible where a woman is, we're told a woman's lifespan. So there's something unique about this. We have no idea of any of the other matriarchs. But we know Sarah. Not only do we know Sarah, the Torah devotes a whole verse to telling us how old she was. And it doesn't even tell us that she died until the next verse. So the, the, the Torah is trying to teach us something about the uniqueness of this woman, the uniqueness of her lives, the uniqueness of her lifespan, in that it was tripartite. It was split into three sections. Look at Rashi. If you look at the verse, you'll see the word shana splitting the verse into three parts. Chaye shoramea shona, the esrim shona, the sheva shonim. Three times we're repeating the word year, year, years. So Rashi is saying that's not by accident. Each one represented a klal, 
a chapter in her life. Lo malacha. And what is it teaching us? Lekol echad nidrash la'atzmo. Each section of her life has its own narrative, has its own interpretation, has its own chapter heading, has its own design. Bat kuf, kebat chof lechet. The, the section of a hundred years, like twenty years, was lechet. Just like she was innocent at twenty from sin, so too by the time she reached a hundred, she was innocent. She didn't violate any moral laws. Ma bat chof lo chata bat onshin. Just like when she was twenty. She isn't, until she's 20, she's not responsible for her actions. So by the time she had a hundred, she'd reached her century, she hadn't sinned. Now what about the third section? She was 20 like she was seven. Quoting Bereshit Rabbah, the Midrash, she was as beautiful at 20 as at seven. Very strange Midrash that Rashi quotes. She was as guiltless as a hundred like she was at 20. So the second portion of her life is to teach us something. Don't think that she was just like she was. She didn't look like she was 20. She's a hundred. But she was the same in terms of her moral stature. She hadn't defiled herself when she was a hundred like she was twenty and twenty like seven I want you to know that she was as beautiful at seven like she was at twenty what? a girl isn't beautiful at seven so clearly Rashi is quoting the Midrash that her beauty is an inner type of beauty what's the beauty of a seven-year-old? innocent at twenty she was as innocent as she was at seven and the Noyim Eli Melech even fleshes it out more and says, you know, at 20, when you look in the makeup and you look in the mirror and you're, you're putting on your makeup, why are you doing it? Thank you. You want to look attractive. So you're putting on the makeup so that you can attract others. When you're seven and you go into your mother's bedroom and she's out, She's out doing shopping. You go into your mother's bedroom and you grab her lipstick and you smear it on and then you take her Louboutin high-heeled red uh, uh, lipstick red shoes and you put them on. And if anyone from the outside would look at this little girl looking at the mirror and go, how grotesque. She's wearing way too many shoes and she's got lipstick on her like she's in Halloween. But what is the girl thinking? So, I'm so pretty. Like mummy. What is she doing that prettiness and makeup for? Because she is mirroring herself. The tamimus and the purity of herself. The Noemeli Melech takes this Rashi and grabs it and turns it upside down and says, when, she, when Rashi says at 20 she was Layoifi as beauty, it's not like she was as beautiful at 20 like she was at 7. Oh, so gorgeous. What a gorgeous girl. No. 
Just like at 20, she was like at 100, and without guile, without guilt, without sin, so too at 20, she was putting on makeup not to attract other people, but to reflect her inner sense of beauty. I want to look like the mama. That's what the Noimelech Melech says. Now, I want to show to you that this is all very nice, meaning I have tr- taken the 127 years, I've divided it into, into three chapters, and the Medrash is going against the grain of the Pshat, because the, gra- the Pshat is 120, 100, 20, and 7. Clearly, each one is interrupted by the word Shana, and each one represents a completely different chapter in her life. And the Torah wants to tell us that these three chapters were different. Medrash comes along and says, nah, each chapter comes to teach us the same thing. Guiltless, guile, beauty, right? This is all the same sorrow. Now I want to share with you a Kliyakar that goes against that idea. The Kliyakar says, Remember, I want you to notice that there is a difference in the reading of the word Shana. What is the difference? There are three times the word mentioned in the Pasuk Shana. What are they? Come on. Shana, Shana, Shana. Come on, wake up. Right. Don't just think that they're the same. A hundred was Shana, meaning? Single year. Year. Let's read it. And the lives of Sarah were as follows. A hundred year. Twenty. Year. Year. Single year. What? What? Shana. Shana. Twenty year. Besheva. Shanim. Shanim. Again. And Sarah lived the following lives. She lived a hundred year. 20 year, and the last seven were years. Now, Rashi didn't look at that. The Medrash didn't look at that. The 100 was like 20, and 20 was like seven. No one was bothered by that grammatical difference of the first 100 was just a year. The second 20 was just a year. And the last seven, oh, that was seven years. Yes, grammatically, absolutely correct. Now look what the Kliyakar does. Umashinema mispargodol. Mispargodol means the unitary, right? The single. Shana, shana, l'shon yachid. The word shana is in the singular. One year. Mea shana ve'esrim shana. A hundred year. Twenty year. Ubamisper katan, the small numbers, which means plural, shanim. Big problem to the Kliyaka. Sheva shanim, the last seven years of her life were counted in years. Lefi, now listen to what he says. This is 200 years ago. I mean, I, if I was a psychologist, I'd go, wow, what an idea. It's dazzling. Sheha chasidim, to the righteous, I'm not going to tra- translate that word shleimim. You're going to translate it for me at the end. Even though all their lives, their days of their lives, their years were shleimim, Mikol Moko, nevertheless, 
They acquire greater shlemus in the last years of their lives. So you may be perfection, you may be a big pious person, Hasidim, right? The role models that we have, you look to the role models that we have, even though they're younger years, Hashlemim, no question, Mr. Perfection, but in the older years, they acquire more Shlemus in their older years. Why? Hakrovim Lashare Movis, because they're coming close to the pearly gates. They're coming close to their death. What is he doing? He's giving us the spirituality of youth and old age. I'm reminded of a book written by Zalman Shachter Shalomi. Am I allowed to mention him here? Mm-hmm. He and, and Shlomo Kalabach went out, uh, was sent out originally by the Rebbe Rayatz of Lubavitch, the sixth <coughs> Rebbe, in 1940-something, to go out to the campuses and be Makarath Jews. Each of them left Chabad and went their own ways. Shlomo was Shlomo Kalabach. Zalman Shachter Shalomi started a whole new renewal movement, right? And in one of his books, it's called Aging and Saging. A beautiful, beautiful book about getting old. You should all read it. Getting old and becoming wise. What's the difference between an age and a sage? A sage acquires wisdom as he is aging. And that gives him that maturity of spirit. These pious people... The shlemus that they acquired in their youth is totally different to the shlemus that they acquire as they approach the end of their lives. Hain mitzad. Now, what's the reason? He gives us two reasons. He gives us a pious reason that he quotes from a Gemara and a psychological reason. The pious reason is as followed. Mitzad she mosim It's a Gemara in Shabbos 120 that a, a Talmud Chacham, as he gets older, he acquires mosif in Chachmah. Why? He's sitting in a koilal. He's steiging. The more Gemara he learns, the more Chachmah he learns, the more data he acquires. That gives him his Chachmah. Chachmah is dependent on data acquisition. Today, I'm going to get a Google chip with the Torah program, shove it in here, and became a Talmud Chacham overnight. It's all, if that's what it's about, just data acquisition, I have safaria.org. I've got the Barilan program. My Shver had the Barilan program, one of the first ever on his computer. And every time I went to Israel, he said, can you get me an update? Get me an update, because they would update the Barilan program, right? You can, and, and you, until Shabbos, until you light candles on Shabbos, you're the biggest Talmud Chochem. You just go, cha, 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 and you got it, right? That's Mosif in Chochman. A Talmud Chochem is Moisif. He sticks in the space medrash, and you, in fact, you cannot live in a village that doesn't have a Talmud Chochem. What's the definition of a Talmud Chochem? When you ask him a Shaila, the Moira Halacha is Shura B'Fiv. It just comes off his tongue. He knows it. He just learns and it comes right off his tongue. Right? You ask him a shayla, he knows it. That you can't live in a town without a Talmud Chacham. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying a Talmud Chacham acquires more knowledge and the Gemara said that makes him more of a Chacham. That's a quantitative idea. Then he gives the second one. Now fasten your seatbelts. Hain, the reason that an older person acquires Shleimut more than a younger person as he faces his death is because 
מצד שאז הם הולכים ומתקרבים ביותר אל האור הנצחי. Because psychologically, as I am approaching the last seven years of my life, I'm coming close to that eternal light, which is a Loshan Saginor. It's a euphemism for pearly gates. As I'm coming close to the end of my life, everything that I experience has a greater weight to it. I learn more from everything that occurs to me as I'm approaching the end of my life. It has more meaning to me. What a dazzling statement to make. Those last year of Sarah's life were shonim. Every day, in the plural, counted. When she was younger, the whole thing is one just big aliquot of time, a glob. My younger years, yeah, I acquired not shlemus, yeah, I learned from that, yeah. Not like now. N- now... The last seven years were critical as she's about to meet her maker, the Or Nitzchi. She's coming to the eternal light. So all the previous experiences I had, that's just like one year in the singular. It's just one glob, right? In comparison to these last seven years, so it says that shonim by Avram and Yitzhak, but by Yishmael, nah, he never learned from his previous. So it was just shon, shon like the first. So Dava Acha, now he goes dark. You know, Leonard Cohen's last song. You want it dark? Check it out tonight on YouTube. Just look at the words, right? And it's very fitting because of the massacre last week in Pittsburgh, to which I dedicate this, this shear to the Kedoshim that died. And so Leonard Cohen writes, you want it dark? You need more Kedoshim? You need more martyrs? Really? Really? Okay, Yiskadal v'Yiskadash. And in yesterday's Pittsburgh Gazette, for the first time in the history of American journalism, on the front page, go to YouTube, you'll see it. It says Yiskadal v'Yiskadash me Rabba in Hebrew on the front page, large letters. I've never seen that in my life. I've never seen that in my life. Now he goes dark. Yes, it's all very nice. I'm going to meet my maker and the eternal light. Oh, very nice and Protestant. When a person gets old, these are the times of tsar, of suffering, as it says in Kohelis. Now he doesn't quote that very nice Gemara. We're not talking about data here. We're talking about living life and experiencing life and suffering life and suffering your kids and suffering all their problems. Soloveitchik once said to me, he had problems with his son Chaim, you know. And I went to him, I had a problem with my older son and we weren't know which way to go because my in-laws were pushing him to go to one yeshiva and we wanted him to go to another yeshiva. He didn't give me any answer. He said, Dr. Unger, it says, Tsar Giddle Bonim. Gemara says, children have Tsar. They have Tsar raising children. So he says to me, and when they are grown, you think there's no more tsar kidal bonim? You're right. There's just tsar bonim. 
And that hit me like a sledgehammer. He said, don't think you're off the hook just because they grew up. You've still got to pay their bills. You've still got to suffer their indignities and their marriages and their sorrows. That's the Tsar. He says here, why is it that that last seven years were shonim? Why was it such a challenge for her compared to her younger years? As it says in Kohelet, He warns us, King Solomon. He says, you know, you're going to get to my age and you're going to get to the age in which the years that you will describe them I have no further delight. I don't get a schmuck out of life because I'm problem with my arthritis and my cardiac and my kidneys and my diabetes and my kids are fetching and this one is oh, this your mates are. That's why these last seven years were called they were in the singular. Why? I love those years when I was young. We went to Alaska with the kids on a boat and we did this and we did that. And that was the way that it explained it. So I wanted to suggest that this will explain this very enigmatic uh, Gemara, and I'll end up with this. Rabbi Akiva says he was Yoshev Vadoiresh. He was sitting and giving a lecture. And the people were falling asleep. We've had that every time we get a, a speech or a, a sermon. And the, 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 the people were falling asleep. So Rabbi Akiva said, I, I got to wake them up. I got to do something radical to wake them up. So he's about to tell them something that's so outlandish, everyone's going to sit up and wait. Did he just say that? That was going to wake him up. It's such a cute medrash. What did he say that would wake them up? Now listen to this. Ma ra'asa Esther. Where did Esther get such a zechus, a merit? It says in the Gemara in Megillah, in Megillah's Esther, in the book of Esther, that when she married Achashverosh, he gave her 127. 127? Does that remind you of something? 127 colonies. I remember when I was in uh, medical school in England, we were told that we, our job was to rule the empire. Half the globe was pink. 127 colonies were pink. Our job is to provide the next generation of civil servants and rulers of empire. E-M-P-A-H. Empire. <laughs> Where does Esther come to rule 120? Just this slave girl. She's talking into the base of, of Rachashverosh. He takes favor on her. And suddenly she becomes the queen and ruler of 127 colonies. So Rabbi Akiva wants to wake up his dozing uh, congregants. And he says, where does she come to get it? Elo tovo Esther, she merited it. Shehoyasabat bito shel Sarah. She's the granddaughter of Sarah Imenu, of the matriarch Sarah, or the grand, grand, granddaughter. Shehoyasameya ve Esrim Sheva. So she was 127 years, 
And that gave her the merit and the zechus of her grandmother to rule over 127 colonies. One second. 127 years, 127 colonies. Okay, you want to make something cute to wake me up? Okay, that'll wake me up. But why would I codify this in the medrash? This is a medrash on that posuk. Really? Are you? Is this a joke? Is this a joke? Or is it a pun? I want to wake you up, so I'm going to tell you something that will drop you from your chair. You didn't fasten your seatbelts, you'll fall off your chair. 127, 127. Esther, Sarah. What's the deeper thing? So I wanted to suggest that the deeper understanding is the connection of bikesh le'oiraron. The word is to wake them up. But that also means to mit orer, to awaken your sleeping spirit. Right? His oiru, we said in lechadori, lechadodi, what do we say? It's coming into Shabbos Kodesh and the Shekhinah is waiting for us in Shul. Well, what do I have to do for that? i got to prepare myself. i got to wake up from my weekday schmutz, from the, the crap that I went through during the week. I have to open myself to the ruchnius of the Shabbos HaKadoshah, the Shekhinah HaKadoshah, who's just come to Shul, Right? The Rabbi Akiva, who was Doirish, called Essen Shabbat Torah. He is the one who is being Doirish every S in the Torah. There's not one letter in the Torah that we shouldn't interpret. He comes to be mit rare. Okay, so then I ask you, what's the comparison between Esther and, and Sarah? Think beyond the 127. What was the moment in their lives that was the biggest challenge for their Shleimut as the Kli Yakarkas? Thank you. Esther said to Mordechai, I'm going into the king. Mordechai, what you said, the Basin says it's Oster. The, the CRC says you're going to be put in Cherem. Lakewood says you'll never be able to marry him again. Reboisha Feinstein says you are done. You're going to be a Nidwid. You're going to be put in Cherem. You're going to be a hooker. You'll, everyone will look at you and curse you on the street. Oh, look at her. She went into the bedroom of the king. Right? Tell me about Sarah that's similar. What was Sarah's similar challenge? Avimelech. Avimelech. Paro. What is she doing in the bedroom of Avimelech? She could have said, kill me. She could have said that. What is it about Sarah that inspired Esther? Remember, when Esther goes to the king's bedroom, Vatilbash Esther Malchus. Meaning, she dressed in royal garments, but the Medrash says not just Malchus. Malchus is the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah was with her. She, the Basin wasn't with her. The Frumis weren't with her. The Poskim and the boy, the, 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 all the Siat, forget it. They didn't. But the Shekhinah was with her. Who's the Shekhinah? That feminine intuition. The feminine intuition that she says, I'm giving up on everything for the sake of Klal Yisrael. I'm going to be a Nidui and I'm going to be a hooker. I don't care what happens to me. I'm going to be Moisa Nefesh for Klal Yisrael. She goes into, where did she get that chutzpah from? She got it from Sarah. Sarah goes into Beis Abimelech and to the wedding chamber. She goes into Paro. Who knows what they did to her? In fact, when she gets pregnant in the next chapter, everyone says what? Yeah. It's not Abraham. She suffers the indignity of that charge of the gossiping women. 
Abazoi. That is what Rabbi Akiva is me'orer. Rabbi Akiva is saying to us, what is the connection between this 127 and that 127 that gives her malchus, that gives her that absolute feminine royalty? It's not the letter of the law. It's not the halacha and the Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. It's not what the Beistin says in the black and white. That's not the four sections of the Shulchan Aruch. It's the fifth section. Only a woman can teach us that. What makes her Sora Imenu is that she gives us that intuitive sense of Torah. Even when everything else is gone, she's given up on everything. She knows what's going to happen to her. She doesn't care. Why? Because she has to teach her granddaughter how to save Klal Yisrael in the future. So with that insight into Esther and Sarah, we can go back to the Kliyakar, who says, The last seven years that were in the plural are times of trouble. As it says, The verse in Kohelas in Ecclesiastes, that those days have no delight. And so the last years are called Tsar, Yemei Tsar. And that is exactly why Sarah is the role model for Esther. Even in the Yemei Tsar, those years were lived with majesty, aristocracy, and a possible indication how Esther should behave in her Tsar. And I think that's the message.